This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is my fellow host, Daniel. I'm last right. And Ariel. <laughs> I'm Octane. God damn it. Hey, guys. Hmm. Do you want to know something? It's the wrong podcast. This is episode 69. Yeah. Giggity. <laughs> Come on. If we can't be immature children here, where can we be? <laughs> so today's topic of discussion is characters. What do you think? <laughs> it's very vague, but luckily we know what you're talking about. No, today we're going to be talking about uh, main characters in the Resident Evil franchise and what our opinions of them are and what their impact and just general flaws and characteristics are and how we view them. So, Ariel... We got a lovely list in front of you. Mm. Who are we talking about first? Yep. <laughs> well, we got to start off with our, you know, big old muscly boy. Oh, Chris. Yep. Chris, uh, one of the major pros of Chris that we've learned throughout the franchise is his super strong ability to punch boulders. <laughs> I think that's one of his... Flowing points is his main points today. So his impact is quite good, especially if you're in a volcano. He can bridge the gap between you and someone else. So in that case, he's also somebody that helps relationships get back together. I love how you're trying to literally make this the best quality of Chris. Like it's so good that we can't ever say anything bad about him. No, I have bad. I have bad. <laughs> so oh, I guess that's not bad. In layman's terms, Chris is just really strong. <laughs> Chris strong punch boulder. <laughs> well, he's also a go getter. I'll give him that. But then I think sometimes he's too dedicated to the cause for his own good. Not saying that's a bad thing in some cases, but I think sometimes he he tries to put the cart before the horse sometimes. And use said brute force to do things when they could have been done subtly. 
I think you're kind of like playing him down a little bit. He's actually intelligent. I'm not saying he isn't, <laughs> but I said some cases. So I would argue some of his positives are his strength, uh, his intelligence, his formal and informal training, um, his dedicated his dedication to friends. I wouldn't say family. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, I would also argue that some of his more overlooked strengths are his compassion and his this one can be taken both ways his ability to continue to pursue a goal even if it doesn't look like it's going to pan out well it can go both ways I think he's a little forgetful too. I forgot about that one. Because during that one fight outside that burning house with the zombies, he forgot how to fight temporarily. <laughs> what do you got, Ariel? I think you all covered it all. <laughs> well, what are these weaknesses? Well, I guess I'll just start from the beginning here. So the way I feel like the world sees Chris as this big, strong man, fully capable of doing his job. How I see Chris, he is this big, strong man, does not give two fucks about a sister, and, <laughs> you know, but gives all the fucks for everybody else. Okay. His flaws. He thinks he's trying to protect people by keeping information from them, but really he's hurting them hardcore. Yeah. That's like a, I think that's a big weakness of his. Him thinking he's protecting people by keeping information when it probably would have kept them a lot safer if he just spilled the beans. He tries too hard, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. He tries too hard. He's not a bad guy. Chris is awesome, but you kind of got to be a team player. You can't take the whole world's problems onto yourself. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of how I view Chris. It's uh, your points actually brought up two more points for me. First one is I don't think he can operate solo. Pierce, Jill. Yeah, he cannot so operate solo because he tries to strong arm his way through every situation. Yeah, he gets left unchecked. Hence why he killed Mia. But in that case, he knew that it wasn't Mia. Yeah. But had he not known, because we've seen he goes the darker path when he seems to be by himself. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that Chris is evil by any means, no. but... When left unchecked, he chooses that brute force path every time, and this is where he ended up. Sure, he's the commander of some badass special forces army, but he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, if he would have just told Ethan after the, the killing Mia, if he would have just told Ethan, hey, this is what's going on, he could have saved Ethan. Because I feel like at that point, if he would have told Ethan, stay low, I'm going to find her, the real her, and went in with his team and done so, 
Ethan wouldn't have been so gung-ho on fucking, like, going after Rose and, you know, all of that. Because he didn't know that that wasn't Mia to begin with. So it was like, okay, she's dead. I need to get my daughter. If Chris would have just fucking said something, and I get it, we wouldn't have been able to play Resident Evil 8. I get that. Well, as Ethan. Right. You played it as Could Chris. have played it as Chris. Going to try to save Rose and Mia. So, that being said, what do you think his impact for the series has been? Because if you look at Chris as a character, standalone on his own, we started off with him in one, <clears throat> where he was almost like a smartass, like Leon, honestly. He was like a slack-jawed, smart-ass kind of character in Resident Evil 1. He still tried to strong-arm his way through things, but, you know, he was smarter about it back then, and he was a smart-ass. But as he's progressed, he's gotten more and more serious to where we are in 8, where he's just serious. So what do you think his impact for the entire series as a whole is? I feel like he's had a big impact on the storyline. You, Like you said, you go from one. Mm-hmm. Where Wesker was his teammate, you know? Then you go to five. Just say, where he, he took Wesker down. Mm-hmm. I still don't believe that, but whatever. You know, that's my, that's my thing. Anyways, that it was poetic justice, and I feel like, I don't know. If Chris wasn't there, if Chris was taken out, Wesker's demise wouldn't have been as satisfying. Because it kind of was poetic justice. So I feel like he has had a big impact. He kind of, and his character represents what would happen if a soldier continued on through all of this. That's kind of his character progression with the more seriousness. I don't know. I think he's had a big impact and I, you know, I mm. think he was integral to the storyline. So I think if he wouldn't have been in it, uh, we wouldn't have Jill still wouldn't be around. She wouldn't be alive because even Leon really didn't deal with Jill. So if he didn't ever meet Jill, whenever if say Leon was in Chris's place mm. during the whole fight on in five, and he came up to Jill and they find out, hey, this is a person. Sheva doesn't know who Jill is, and if Leon didn't know who Jill was then Jill could just have been another casualty. We wouldn't have Jill back. And then you potentially could then have found out, I don't know if Jill divulged secrets later on, so you could potentially lose intelligence. But I think I think uh, more lives would have been lost. Mm. I, mean, I mean, regardless, he took a bunch of lives too, but I think, like she said, he's more soldier while somebody else like Leon would be more like they're more public guy. Well, I think Chris is more behind the scenes. Yeah. You don't see him as often 
in like you do, but like not the public. Yeah, he does. He does the hard work that nobody wants to the dirty jobs. Nobody wants to be seen for. He does the dirty jobs. Yeah. Chris Redfield, dirty jobs. So my take on Chris is he's integral to the story. In addition to what you guys have said, I think he plays the one of the most important parts in the Resident Evil franchise because he is the pursuant. He is the one who's consistently pursued Umbrella Corporation throughout all of this. Yes, Jill was there for a bit, but it didn't matter. Like, he didn't stop because people died. He didn't stop. He put the pressure on Umbrella's throat. He's the reason we have Blue Umbrella. He's the reason we have, you know, the BSAA. He's the reason we have all of these counter terrorist organizations because he continued to pursue to the point where he wanted Umbrella to be dissected thoroughly. So without him, we wouldn't have had that pressure on Umbrella's neck, leaving them completely unchecked throughout this entire series. In addition to that, he plays the important character role for the emotional aspect for us because we see a character who went from a lighter path and pursued a darker path in the pursuit of justice. Essentially, Chris Redfield is the Batman to the Resident Evil franchise. I'm Redfield. Of oh, course, Redfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're not wrong at all. All right, who's next on our list? So the next one on the list is Jill Valentine. Oh, my girl, Jill. I'm sorry, I always like Jill. Too much, it sounds like. <laughs> so, Jill Valentine. I got to hear what uh, Daniel has on this. No, oh, so, there we go. Because his are pretty funny. Well, this one maybe not as much. No, you're not Jill's. So, long story short, of course, she's Delta trained. So, she's better trained than some of our other characters mm-hmm. in the beginning. Uh, she's pretty self sufficient. She, she can do a lot on her own. She's like Chris as far as you put her by herself she'll get the job done though Chris has different mentality about how he does things and then the other thing I see kind of terrible about her is she's pretty headstrong like she's stubborn and I understand not wanting help with certain things but she was one of those ones that she'll try and do it herself instead of getting help if that would help better you know what I mean yeah and she probably, I don't know if we see this, but I think she would be particular about who she partners with. Like, I would see her not wanting to partner with a lot of people. We definitely see that. <laughs> like, yeah, because she really has partnered with what, Carlos and Chris, right? Barry. Oh, yeah. Barry. Yeah, Barry. But yeah. again, she didn't partner with the entire team, just Carlos. She said, fuck the rest of them. They're all assholes. I like Carlos. <laughs> Well, she even was, like, in the beginning, untrustworthy of Carlos. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because he did work for Umbrella. But it's understandable. But that's my main points that I have for her. I Overall, I don't see a lot of flaws with her. I know there is some but that I'm missing. But just going by what I, I know offhand, it's more pros for my opinion. Okay. So I'm going to kind of do what I did last time. So I think the world sees her 
as this very capable woman. This was their attempt at making a strong woman done poorly. <laughs> oh, if you think about it, in one, she was paired with Barry. Why couldn't you have her go by herself like Chris? Why did she have to be paired with Barry? Not that I mind Barry. But that's kind of a slap in the face of women. Oh, well, just put her with... Mm-hmm. That was their attempt at like, oh, look, you know, we're being inclusive. We got this strong female woman. But she needs help. I don't think she needed help. So anyways, that's how I think the world views her as, is this, you know, this attempt at a strong woman. My opinions. They could have done so much more with her. Because she is a strong, capable woman. So, yeah, I see that. But I am thinking of this, too. You've, you've given me something to jump back into my mind. I think that is a major reason why they redid all of the old games. Except for one. They do have a remake of one on the GameCube. But you're right. They still didn't very stray very much from the original material. You just don't have to have Barry running around with you anymore. <laughs> but he's always there. But you're right. They still screwed it up. So my thoughts are here. If I get rid of the old games and just go with what they've remade. They're still doing that to a degree. Still not making her as badass as she could be, but they're getting better. I mean, she does that fucking nemesis fight in three, like the remake. Holy shit. Building common down like she is not stopping for anything. <laughs> I feel like they tried progressing her forward. Yes. And I did really enjoy the three remake of how they portrayed her. They did portray her as stronger, able, like capable of doing this herself while also dealing with PTSD. Yeah. Because I liked that. I liked how they portrayed her with that PTSD. That's a real thing. A real thing that happens. It's sad, but it's a real thing that happens. And I like seeing that in a video game. This is a real world thing. So, I like how they developed her. Just sucked in one when you're like, oh yeah, hey, you can play as a girl and she's a badass hoe, but you have Barry. <laughs> I love Jill. Jill is a great character. She is one of my favorite female characters in the franchise. Just hate how they done her dirty. Yeah, that's my opinion. So I'm glad you brought up the remakes because I think that was their way of trying to fix some of these past mistakes. You know, because when they did the remake of one, it still wasn't 100 percent, but at least they were trying. You don't have to have Barry falling around anymore. And they tried to do something better. But when three came around, like that's when we really get to see the badass that is Jill. But you're right, still, there's still points where they're like, oh, Carlos, 
but I also sit back and I think maybe that's one of her character flaws. She's strong and she is independent, but like Daniel said, she's strong headed. And sometimes that strong headedness can come into play when she's not as observant as she should be because she's overconfident in herself. So she's constantly being taken by surprise in different situations. She was taken by surprise and won when the zombie lunged out at her. Uh, I think it was out of the fireplace or something somewhere. There was a zombie in a hall. Oh, no, no. Sorry, it wasn't her. But she was taken by surprise in the trap room. Jill sandwich room. (laughs) Uh, You know, she was taken by surprise in three on multiple occasions. You know, first one obviously being Nemesis. That wasn't really her fault. But thinking this thing wasn't going to continue to pursue her. That totally is her fault. Also being bitten. You know, she's been taken by surprise multiple times. And then on top of that, you get back in five where she's taken by surprise yet again and end up having to sacrifice herself to save Chris. Like she is so confident in herself and her capabilities that it comes into play as overconfidence and makes her not be as observant as she should be. Which is why she really needed Chris those two characters really needed each other I felt Chris was always observant but he was always a blockhead but Jill was always the one to think things through and plan strategically she guided Chris Chris guided her when they got separated that's when all chaos started Chris took a darker path Jill eh. (laughs) you know we might get some answers here you know come death island but as of right now just throw our hands up in the air i don't know what happened jill but i think that's i think that's what it comes into play is, is that's i think they were trying to relay that to a degree but they did kind of a poor job at doing that they made her seem more like a damsel in distress rather than an overconfident woman who keeps getting herself into trouble agreed so strengths and flaws we've gone over what do you think about her involvement with the series how do you think she you know fared well Daniel do you want to talk about your Jill sandwich she's not always a sandwich but when she is (laughs) he wants to sandwich her (laughs) has nothing to do with how she was relevant to the series guys (laughs) Uh, it came up in the series at least once, so oh it was God. a relevancy. <laughs> no, I think she was, like Ariel said, being a strong female character. I mean, we had Rebecca later on, but nothing as close to Jill. Like, Jill was more physically trained better. I mean, she was still smart for how she was. I just, yeah, I don't... I think she was needed for the series. To have an, another, not an opinion, another side of it. Well, Errol, how do you feel that she perpetuated the series forward? Perpetuated. I meant propelled. <laughs> they both work. Yeah, they probably both do. Yeah. I think she was necessary. 
you know, I, I've said my piece about how, you know, they could have made her a little more. But it was their attempt at making a strong female character. And I greatly appreciate a strong female character. So how she fared, I think she was necessary to the Resident Evil storyline. I wish they, you know, Capcom bring her back. They are in Death Island. Well, I mean, in the game. <laughs> I just... She was great. And then she disappeared. Bring her back. I need some closure on my Jill. Mm. But, I mean, in all honesty, yeah. Well, I agree. I think she was necessary. But I agree... I think she was necessary to the series because she helped not only propel Chris's storyline forward, but several elements of what Umbrella had actually done forward in the series as well. Because if you think Jill's the one who discovered a lot of the underground secrets in three. Mm -hmm. So that and propelling, you know, the BSAA forward because she was an agent with Chris you know, she was one of the founding members. She's relevant in a lot of things. And without her, I don't think Chris would have been very motivated to keep going. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like Jill was there going, all right, you could give up or you could stop being such a dick and we could just keep going on with this. Stop drinking. Stop drinking your sorrows away, Chris. It doesn't help. Yeah, see, that's exactly what happens when she's not around. Chris just drinks all the time. <laughs> you might have learned that from Leon. Uh, but, I mean, other uh -huh, than that... You ain't doing my boy like that. <laughs> I mean, other than those things, you know, sure, we could have another character in there or whatever. But I feel like the real reason why Jill is necessary to the series, in addition to what you guys said, is the fact that she was really the only one that could push the series as far as it has gone. Because her name's been mentioned all over the place. Even if she's not in the game, there's, you know, documents or there, there's always something to do with her somewhere. Bring her back. Capcom, I need some closure. I want to know what happened to her. We're gonna find out in Death Island. <sighs> I want a game. <laughs> I, I mean, am excited about Death Island, though. I am really excited that they brought her in the movie. I can't wait for that to come out. I mean, we did see her in Revelations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So before we continue on with the next characters, I think this is the perfect time for us to go to our mid-break. Here we are in the middle of the show, Ariel. Yep. What happens here? Yep. Oh, gosh. We thank our patrons. There, she's back. Uh, I had to hit the reset. <laughs> you really want to reset me? Uh, yes, we do have to thank our patrons, such as our VIP patrons, Angelus Mortis. Oracle, Cerberus91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Donnie Shanks, Everything Res Evil, 
Jay Zoobs, Naked Mango, Pocket Comet, and The Compound. And of course, we have The Pumpkin King, Seven Sins, and William Jackson. And of course, we have all our access patrons, such as Dead Socks, Edward Parks, Jeremy Kelly, Joseph Sucknanen. See, I did it this time. <laughs> Remington Cloutier, and of course our official patrons, Love YT, Ryan Black, and some random guy. So yes, thank you to our lovely, amazing patrons who make this show possible. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like CBS. Or no, it's not CBS. Was it PBS? No, it's you talking about where things get louder. No, PBS. Like you know how they, before the show they were always like, and thank you to all our whatever for your yeah. contributions make this show possible public broadcast public, public, yeah i was like sometimes i feel that way i mean in all honesty now i get it it is it is true <laughs> well with that out of the way we also have to thank our listeners well, yeah i was going to if you would let me talk oh, okay this is see listeners this is why i'm so mean <laughs> to aaron it's not just because i'm a mean person it's because he never lets me talk don't let her lie to you oh no i know lie Oh, okay. I know that. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, yes, thank you, patrons. We do greatly appreciate it. And thank you, listeners. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. And it's the truth. So, yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, before we get into the merch segment, I don't know how many of these we're going to have left after this episode's posted, but... If you didn't catch the patron chat episode, uh, our lovely patron, The Compound, and fellow showrunner uh, is giving away to 20 of our lovely listeners uh, a... Uh, what were they? Um, miniatures. Well, they're miniatures. I thought they had a specific name. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> they are Leon and Claire miniatures, uh, and he's giving them away. They're just... The, the compound's just giving them away to 20 of our lucky listeners, and all you have to do is message me through the email down in the links below, uh, your name and address, and we'll get one sent out to you. And you also have to let me know you want one. <laughs> just start sending out addresses. Just start sending them out. <laughs> so, yes. And they're awesome. If you haven't checked it out in the, um, uh, the Discord, they're posted there, and they're awesome. They really are. So I do want to say a huge thank you to the compound for doing that. That is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. This is really awesome of you. It really so, was. We'll and I mean, I get a painted one. And I'm <laughs> super excited about that. And I can't wait. So we'll have to get the compound on here uh, as a team to guest one a couple episodes or something. You know, I was going to do it anyway, but <laughs> come on here. Talk some resi. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but anyway, with that out of the way, Daniel, what'd you bring? Huh? Huh? I was asleep, sorry. Stop it. So, if you're in the habit of carrying around viruses that could be good or bad. Oh boy, here yep, we go. that's me. Then you may like some viruses made by Make Fun For You on Etsy. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> So they actually make two different colors. They have a red and a green. Oh, wow, I'm way off in colors. They have a blue and a green. I don't know where red came from. <laughs> With these two viruses in the shape of the t 
typical virus. Oh, and they down. glow? Yes, they glow oh. in the dark. They're luminescent. You can either get one for $45 or you can get both for 90 They do ship from Hong Kong, so I'm not sure what shipping will cost you offhand. But they do have a lot of good reviews on them so far from what I can see. But if you want to carry around some viruses or just display them, and hopefully you let them sit in the light so they glow and you can freak people out. <laughs> I want it. But yes, that's Make Fun For You on Etsy. $45 even for one before shipping. Yes, yes take Ooh. that mango. The shipping, though, is probably like some weird like 13 cents or 43 or something. Why are you going to ruin it for me? I, just <laughs> I was happy. And I didn't want to get not. your hopes too high on that. That's me, though. So, Ariel, what'd you bring? Well, I read an article, much like I always do. <laughs> and not only was it reading an article, it was watching a video. Oh, boy. So, anyways, this comes from Nintendo Life, and the title is Random. Resident Evil 4's iconic opening has been recreated in Lego, and it's amazing. And this isn't part of the title, but yes, it's amazing. <laughs> me and Daniel actually watched it so if the headline has not already given it away the opening few minutes of the original Resident Evil 4 has been fantastically recreated in Lego form by animator Cara Aleatorio and the results are really something you can check out the full video above but be warned that there is a certain amount of bad language used at one point so watch at your own discretion and it's freaking awesome. It's so cool. They they um they had used the actual dialogue and the music from the opening part of the original RE4, but everything's in Lego and it was it's fucking awesome. You have to check it out. So I'll have the link for that in the show notes. Please take a second to watch this. It's only <laughs> like three minutes and fifty-five seconds, so it doesn't take too much long of your day. So do it. Do it now. That was pretty cool. <laughs> well, I also brought merch today. You always bring merch. Ariel, you don't read. I don't read. But Ariel, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Are you a dedicated Resident Evil gamer? Probably not. Do you often find that you have difficulty in figuring out where to put your controller and headset after you're done playing? Uh, no, I usually just throw it. Well, what if I told you there's a reasonable and organizational way to put it up and you can still show your RE love on your desk? I call bullshit. Uh, well, fear not. <laughs> this one comes to us from ProLEDSign.com. And this is a Resident Evil Umbrella LED gaming headset controller stand. And what it is, is it is literally a controller stand with a like a half circle kind of deal. Semi-circle, yeah. And it has the umbrella logo on it. And underneath the umbrella logo, it says Umbrella Corporation International Biological Solutions. It's awesome. You can choose from a multitude of different LED colors. Of course, Ariel would want red. <laughs> Uh, no. You act like red's my favorite color. What is your favorite color? Red. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> um, it is multicolor, so you don't have to buy, 
you know, the specific color. It is a LED of multicolor. You can just pick. Yes. So free shipping for orders in the U.S. But the price does come to $49.99 currently. They're having and a little deal on it. Couldn't have just been 50 bucks. Nope. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, some pretty cool things about this store. It is Google Trusted. Uh, you can track all of the shipments online. And if you don't find something in their store that you like, you can create your own custom neon sign. So it's a pretty cool store. This is a pretty cool item. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I do actually really want that. Because <laughs> that would look sweet with my red controller. Yeah. Well, the link for that will be down in the show notes. Yeah, I'm going to need 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ariel. Huh? We are at the end of the episode. Uh-huh. Well, oh, no, we're at the end of the middle of the episode. <laughs> we're at the end of the middle. So, uh, you have anything else you want to say? Yeah. Hmm. I have a lot to say. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> You're bald. Uh, hashtag facts. Hashtag truth hurts. Yeah, well, all right. That's all I had to say. So, uh, on the Fumbling for Discord. Yes. This person had posted their amethyst dice um yes and they were wickedly fucking gorgeous uh that was uh what i think I, i'm gonna try to pronounce the discord name uh whipcha you know where they got those wickedly sweet amethyst dice could it by chance be a website well, I mean, yeah, that's usually where people order things online on a website. Anyways, got it from Fanroll Dice. Oh, tell me more. Oh, so if you want your own beautiful set of amethyst dice, roll on over to Fanroll Dice and use our promo code AllMightyC10, which is A-L-L, Mighty, the letter C, 10, and save yourself 10% off of those beautiful amethyst dice. Yes. Or any set of dice. I really, I'm jealous. I want a set of gemstone dice. <laughs> like the obsidian. I really want the obsidian. Anyways, yeah. In all seriousness, yes, head on over to fanrolldice.com. Use our promo code almightyc10 and save yourself 10% off because those freaking dice are sweet. Yes. And they have more than just a gemstone dice. They have whatever dice you could imagine. Also, they have dice trays, dice bags. Dice towers, dice accessories. The rumor has it they may be getting more. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. I don't know what, but there's going to be more. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> see what else they have. So yeah, do it and do it now. Do it, do it now. At any rate, that is the end of our mid-break. <laughs> well, here we are. At the end of the episode. <laughs> it's the end. <laughs> You're the one that was like, hey, let's get going, bitches. I didn't say that at all. He did, <laughs> listeners, he did. I paraphrase, but that sounds a lot like it was. Yeah. At any rate, who are we talking about next? The one, 
the only, my boy Leon. Thought that was Neo. Neo. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so we all agree Leon was not necessary to the series. Moving on. Let's ask Naked Man Go for his opinion. <laughs> Why don't you to be mean to me? Not Why mean to you, weren't mean? mean to Leon. All right, all right. Let's hear the down and dirties. What do you think, Ariel? I think a lot. Well, then let's... Well, let's... Okay, let me get... Seriously, though. Seriously, though. The way I view Leon is... You know, let's start with two. He was a rookie cop. Late for his first day on the job. And then the zombie apocalypse happens. Did I deal with all of that shit? Oh, I like Leon because no matter what, he kept going with a positive attitude, and I have to save people. And of course, the you know witty comments were. I, I love the witty comments because I'm also I'm sarcastic. I'm a sarcastic person, so I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's he's funny. But he just, he kept going. He still had to save people. He wanted to get people out. This wasn't a, oh, I'm going to fend for myself type of thing. Like, he was for the people, essentially. And, you know, and then with four. Okay, I get it. Y'all make fun of him for going into somebody's house. And then just start shooting him because, you know, they don't understand English. I get it. But... That aside, for, you know, he was still, he had to save Ashley. And no matter what he kept, even though how annoying she was, how many times she got kidnapped, he kept going because he had to save her. He is very determined is what I'm essentially getting at. He's a very determined person who has to save people. It's not about the mission and all this other stuff. It's... Yeah, that's why I like him so much. Okay. Daniel? Okay. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. I was say uh, the cons, if you want to go on cons. Um, cons of Leon. Okay, yeah, he did kind of let Ada cloud his judgment. I don't want to admit it, but it's the truth. Kinda? Okay, he did. <laughs> I get it. It's the truth. Don't want to admit it, but yeah, he he did. She clouded his judgment a lot. How could you be so trusting of somebody you just met and then all of a sudden fall in love with them? It's kind of weird. A little too much there, Leon. Yeah, that's about it for me. Daniel? So we know mine's short and simple usually. So I've changed up how I was going to say this multiple times. So I probably thought of another way. So pros, he keeps a, a good physique. <laughs> I Yes, he does. He, and it's truthful because he likes to show it off later on when he wears tight-fitting shirts and all these jackets. Because I remember on more than one occasion, me and Ariel referenced the uh, Infinite Darkness with him in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh look, sure, put on the put on the jacket. This and that. Wears similar jackets all the time, unless it's in Resident Evil 2. But 
think he tries to keep the same jackets. He's probably got a closet full of them. He's I'm got betting. a consistent fashion sense. Yeah, even in suit jackets. He, <laughs> he knows what look he nice. looks good in, so he sticks to it. Yeah, that's why he was the president was so good at having him in Degeneration. <laughs> yeah, so when it had him all dressed up and yeah, I'm going to say his physique is he's he knows how to keep himself aside from some of his issues like his drinking himself into a stupor because of his ex-girlfriend and <laughs> then later on having a similar issue with uh, in Vendetta. Yeah. No, he just has that issue for the rest of his life now. <laughs> I can't think of a time where he wasn't drinking something. I mean, aside from four, but I'm pretty sure he was probably drinking something before he got into the back of the police car. All I'm going to say <laughs> is if I was in a post-apocalyptic world, I would be drinking too all the time. Well, in the games, though, it's not entirely post-apocalyptic. It's not like the movies. Well, you know what I mean. Okay, you saw some shit in two. Yeah. First day on my job, zombies are eating everyone. Okay, saw some shit. Four happens. You saw some cultist shit. So I'll I'll give you that. But yeah, definitely not post-apocalyptic. They definitely deterred from the... The movies definitely deterred from the games. My cons is in four, you do gain your fun compatriot that you have to deal with the whole time. So can annoy some people as you did mention she was annoying but that's not really a con about leon i made it a con about <laughs> leon <laughs> <sighs> i don't really have many cons about leon despite uh, he's not my favorite like ariel's but i don't have many issues with leon it's because he's america's I sweetheart just, i just rip on him but i don't have many issues with leon as a whole okay so Ariel sitting All right, here. next, we're going to go to Claire. Yep, I knew. She was sitting here gritting her teeth. Didn't want me to say anything. All right. <clears throat> so, pros for Leon. Um, pro number one. I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth with yours, Daniel, and say not so much his physique, but his diligence to keep his body in physical condition. So, the, what I mean here is, is that, okay, so Chris literally bench presses houses, to work out where that's cool and all but Chris is a lot slower than Leon which is not something you want to do when you're fighting zombies that can outrun you and maneuver you and dogs uh, however Leon on the other hand focuses on what seems to be an all body kind of physique so he's faster he is strong but he's not stronger than most characters but he is strong enough he's faster he clearly knows some acrobatics or some, you know, gymnastics because this man's hopping and jumping and flipping all over the place. So he focuses on skills as a broad spectrum. So there's a plus for Leon. Another plus is he very easily, like Ariel said, could have just left everyone behind, but he didn't. But that's also going to turn into a negative for me later on, too. But it is good that he's diligent and he's very much the hero of heroes. He, you know, he's trying to save everybody he can. Another positive is he's well-versed in his skills. So 
really good with a handgun, really good with a rifle. I mean, you could literally, it seems like you can hand this guy any gun and he just knows. So his skills are top tier when it comes to weaponry. Another positive of him is, as much as we make fun of him for drinking all the time, the man's never gotten drunk. I've never seen Leon drunk. It's because he can hold his liquor. It's not even that. I think he hold he stops himself before he cannot perform his duties diligently. It's like he knows his limit. He's like, all right, yep, start to feel a little bit. We're done. <laughs> uh, but the other thing, too, is, is he keeps his eye on the ball. No matter how much joking or laughing or messing around he does or sarcasm, whatever, his eye is on the ball. And he knows when it's time to get down and get serious and when it's okay to, you know, make a snarky remark once in a while. The negatives. The dude really should have seen a therapist after everything. Pretty sure they all (laughs) should have seen a therapist after everything. Yes. Uh, I got to give him a little bit more brownie points because he was a cop, which is just an everyday Joe Blow, essentially, who had to deal with all this stuff. Whereas most of the other people that are in the Resident Evil series are, you know, elitists. He was just a rookie cop, first day of work, you know. I mean, he had to deal with all this stuff. And then to be thrusted into a special program after that, I mean, dude's got some issues. (laughs) A lot more than other characters, I would argue. But uh, another negative for him is, is that he, the Ada thing, like Ariel said, he very much is in... Uh, why is he automatically in love with Ada? Like, that's my big thing with this. She's a hot Asian. <laughs> hot Ada's in your area. Uh, uh. Uh, the only other thing, too, is, is that I kind of I kind of argue with he's kind of like Jill in this way, constantly thrusting himself into situations that he needs to be pulled out of. Except for his are more of a, like, I'm ready to die. Like, he almost seems suicidal half the time. Because he's like, well, this is it. And then Ada comes in and goes, rocket launcher, Leon. He goes, okay, I guess I'm saved. <laughs> like, he he's, he's very gung-ho in the life and death matters. Whereas Jill is just, oops. He's more of a, yeah, I know the consequences, but I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> he's a... Uh, I don't... I don't see him as suicidal. I see him as more of like, I would die. I'm willing to die to protect, you know, whatever. Well, I, I, I get that. I guess that was the wrong choice of words. Maybe he's more reckless than others. I would he's say that willingly case, yeah. to dive into very dangerous situations with very little thought. Yeah. Other than I got my strap on. <laughs> He doesn't need a strap on. Oh my god, that's not what I meant. <sighs> At any rate, those are my kind of points. So, we've all had our little say-so here. Is he necessary to the series? Oh, and absolutely. It, okay, but why? In all seriousness, I think he's like the opposite of Chris. Okay, so you have this, you have Chris, who is the big, muscular, macho, all for a mission type of man and then you have this other man who's more dexterous instead of I can punch boulders I'll just you know roll around the boulders 
You have it's like he's the opposite of Chris. Even though they're they're both good, they're both working towards the same thing. I like that I think he's necessary, Leon, because it's showing a different side of man. Okay. I can think my way out of things. You know, Ada's side. Like I can think my way out of things. I can be dexterous instead of strong. And you know, instead of very straightforward to the point, now I'm like joking and cocky and sarcastic and I think it's they're they counteract each other. Okay. And it shows a different personality. Yet another strong male character. Okay. Daniel, where are your thoughts? I think he was integral for the most part. Like, I agree with a lot of what she said. And then the only things I questioned from all that was, like, in Infinite Darkness, wanting to hide everything. But we've, I think, gone over that with Chris the same mm-hmm. way about not wanting to expose things to the public. But that's still a iffy matter. Like, should you expose it or not? Is it going to cause an international incident? So I, I see why he didn't do it. So he is, I think he is good because he's also, mostly we've seen him as like the government liaison. So he's good for as far in the government, like where Chris is in the separate entity that operates their own ideals while he's within the systems that sometimes have like scandals and everything. He can be our person on the inside because if not, then we only have Chris being this bull trying to go through everything I think we need Leon to be that that subtleness despite yeah. him not being mm-hmm. subtle all the time but uh, you don't I actually agree with that yeah. yeah so I love how you two have basically just taken both of the points I wanted to make and made them like yours <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> so I'll be quick with mine I think he was essential to the series more so than most characters And that was because Leon was our first introduction to a normal Joe, everyday guy getting thrust into the situation, which really put the average gamer into more into the game, I feel, than most other characters, because you have Chris. Ah, I'm prior military badass and I know all kinds of cool shit. And then you got. Jill, also a prior military badass and know all kinds of cool... Like, the entire team from the first one was all... Stars. Yeah, just the badasses of the badasses, and we all got super awesome backgrounds, and... Which is cool. That's kind of what I want out of my characters anyway. But Leon and even Claire, when we talk about her, these two were just everyday nobodies. Like, just trying to clock into their nine-to-fives thrust into a world of absolute chaos and destruction. So that was a player's first introduction into like, I feel like being more immersed into the world. Then you carry this onwards to storyline reasons why he's necessary is because like Ariel said, really good counteraction of, of Chris, you know, and just like you said, Daniel, he's really good for being the one who can basically get all the behind the scenes intel that nobody else on this quote unquote resident evil team can get, 
you know, the original team, they can't get access to this. They may work for the BSA and have ties to NATO and all these other organizations, but it's not like they're in the president's office inside all the deep, dark, dirty, detailed talks. Like, no. Leon is essentially our A-team's Ada Wong. I mean, in a nutshell, that's what he does, is he, like, gets all the top-secret intel and just isn't a dick with it. (laughs) Maybe he learned from her. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go on to our last character, I do want to make one note. I want to make, I want to pitch a question to you guys. If put in the same position as Leon, because everybody brings this up about how Leon didn't talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it. I want to let all this intel out. If put in the same position, knowing that what you're going to say could potentially cause mass panic in the United States to the point of almost anarchy, would you feel comfortable talking about it with the public? Even though you know it's something that the public needs to know, would you? Honestly, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell the public. Essentially for the same reasons. It would cause either mass panic or mass anger. It would cause an uprising, a huge thing. The government would have to, you know, take care of all of that writing while there's freaking B.O.W.s in the background. That would just swoop in and just while everybody's paying attention to each other, just come on in because, you know, you got this other third party asshole sending Mm -hmm. them in. Oh, well, they're dealing with the fucking civil war because of all this shit. And all right, let's send them in. There goes the United States. Yeah. So honestly, no, I wouldn't. By you, Daniel. So I was thinking about it and I think it's it would be a yes and a no. So no, oh, no, you can't choose yes and no. 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 It's got to be one have, or the other. I have to defend this. So I wouldn't go public, public with it. So like not to news sources and stuff like that. So at this time, the BSAA is still a thing. Umbrella's already been down, like it's gone to the most part. So I would then try and leak this information to like an ally entity because I wouldn't think the BSAA is, is necessarily been infiltrated like the government has. Been. Oh, no, because none of their intel has been dropped in Revelations or Revelations 2 or Resident Evil 5 or I mean. <laughs> as badly as the government they, is. They doing. are worse, <laughs> but they've way, been infiltrated worse. I would still take it to another entity that would be similar, like especially Chris, because he if Chris is trustworthy especially to Leon, you know, you need to see what he wants to do. And Chris might be in the same boat, like, hey, we don't need to leak this publicly. But you can get another opinion. I understand Claire is still a person you can get a good opinion from, but Chris is in this entity that is fighting all these BOWs and stuff. Chris might have another idea how to leak this information without necessarily causing mass panic. Instead of just outright going, no, we're not going to leak it. I wish we had more time to talk about this. But uh, but all that being said, I've made my my choice on this very clear. But uh, what's our next character and final character for this episode? So our next character is Claire. 
So, pros, cons. I feel like they made Claire very weak. Even throughout the entire series, it was just... Oh, I don't use guns. I don't have a gun on me. I've been through some shit. I'm not going to carry a gun. What the fuck? I feel like Claire would. I feel like our vision of Claire and Capcom's vision of Claire are two <laughs> different Claire's. I see I see Claire as a badass in her own right. A very sweet, honest, loving girl who was just a nobody but is a fucking badass. Capcom sees her as, oh, I'm anti-guns. I must save all the children. Well, that part is great. But wouldn't you think Claire, who wants to save the children, would have guns to protect the children? I don't know. That's how I see it. I like Claire. But I don't like the way Capcom portrays Claire. Hmm. Okay. So there was a lot of positives and negatives mixed in there? <laughs> yeah, that was my pros and cons. Yeah, it's okay. All shoved together. <laughs> Daniel, what are your thoughts? Okay, so uh, I think she's very driven. Like, she's an activist. We see is through a lot of it. If she's an activist, so she's very driven. I think she's too trustworthy in a lot of scenarios. Mm-hmm. She lets people in, like, strangers more. Like, the people that she knows, I could see being more trustworthy with. But I, th- I think she's real naive, I think would be the word, as far as with certain people. Letting them get too close. Uh, yeah, the whole no guns thing, even she should maybe carry at least, like, a small pistol. If she's not going to carry something that's out there. You know, like I mean, I don't see her like carrying an assault rifle at all times, <laughs> but well, something to defend herself, like you said. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe after the first game, or is she? However many, how many games has she been in? Let's see, two Code Veronica Revelations, one and two. Yes. So at least four games. So I would say, even if she didn't carry a gun after the first game. Then the second game, after stuff went down again, be like, okay, this is a recurring thing. Maybe I should carry a gun. And then all this, the series that she was in, like, my whole question is when she opened the door in the hotel and then didn't proceed to hit the guy with the lamp. That was <laughs> I, immediately, I was wondering that. Why she didn't, she thought that they were, she, yeah. she should have known. Too trustworthy of even, even the government in that case. Yeah. But yeah, mine's more of her. I like that she's driven and an activist trying to make a change. So I see where she's coming from when she confronted Leon about the information. But then if Leon probably would have explained it better, it would make more sense to her. But then she's probably stuck in her head that this is this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a subtle change like Leon's trying to do, she wants immediate change, which goes to her being driven. She is very for the people, which is great. But even then, you still have to look at the pros and cons of your actions. Yeah. Well, and I also give that she is skilled with a gun pretty well. Like in Degeneration, Mm -hmm. when the senator knocked her down and then Leon threw the gun to her and she no problem took out zombies. She noped the hell out of them. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I think she's she's like one of those uh, instinctual skills. I don't know. I, I know she had some training with Chris, but I think she is pretty pretty well skilled for a uh, quote nobody. So my thoughts. Pros first. We have a badass motorcycle chick. Essentially, that's where we first meet her up with. Yeah, she's riding in on that cycle and she's just a badass. Uh, she's adaptable. She's driven. But that's kind of where there's a negative there. She's driven so much to the point where she's almost naive. Uh, she will jump into the deep end with no hesitations. She will risk life and limb to do what's right, which is great, except for the fact that, again, she does it to the point of naivety. Which is the biggest problem I have with her. All of these positives, she has one massive negative, which is she's naive. She doesn't try to advance her training or skills throughout the series. She doesn't try to create a way to protect herself or the people around her. She continues to believe that there's good in everyone, which is a great trait up to the point of being naive. But she's just naive, and to go on this long in the series and continue to be this naive is just almost ridiculous. (laughs) But Honestly, that's my thing. I could go on for hours on all the positives there are about Claire, but her biggest drawback is she's naive to the point of stubbornness. I think that is Capcom not advancing her character Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly because, like I said, the Claire I have in my head is different than Capcom's Claire. Yeah. So, with all those points being made for our final character, were they needed? I think to some degree, Claire is needed. It shows a character that's now, like, how Daniel said, is an activist now, who is trying to be for the people and fight for the people. Mm -hmm. It's showing another personality of a character. You have Chris the Boulder. You've got, like, Leon the wily, sarcastic asshole. You got Jill, who's headstrong and confident, and and then you have Claire, who's naive and sweet, and all of this stuff. It's just another. I like different personalities. I don't like the same personality in multiple characters. Do I think she's necessary? Yes. It's now it's going on more to a let's stop this from the gut, like stop the government, stop the Mm -hmm. shit going, the shady shit going on in there. Yeah. Okay. I wish they would have done better, though. I wish they would have advanced her character. Yeah. Daniel, what are your thoughts? So. Despite her being naive, I think she is integral because so everybody else, even though she is against things that Umbrella has done and and all these different events that have happened, 
I think she's the one that has to stay in the story because she keeps she is the positive influence because why everybody else can see things as negative she might see negative but then she is like Ariel said and I said where she's trying to change things and she I think she's more for redeeming people even if she doesn't know offhand that they're unredeemable like if a zombie was curable and redeemable I think she would try and help them in that case mm-hmm. I think she is there to be the positive influence while everybody else has their positive traits to help in that way but she is like that number the constant one. yeah the number one I think she's there for to be like the light while everybody else may be glowing into the darkness some like if she was more with Chris I think Chris may have not went into the darkness as much like but that could be how Capcom did her character, like they Ariel said. Chris to be the dark with her being the light. Mm-hmm. But it, but I think if they would have had more interaction while he was slowly falling into the dark, I think he would not be in the state he was in. Yeah. But I think that's so like she's his opposite in that case. And I think that's for a lot of people in that in the series. Okay. So Do I think she's necessary to the series? Yes. But Capcom teetered around this character specifically to the point where there were a few times that she basically became obsolete and not necessary. I would argue in Resident Evil 2 that Leon could have dealt with Sherry all by himself. And we didn't need her. Did she offer a alternate storyline, which was pretty cool, and you know, all these things? Yes, but we didn't need her. Uh, I feel like that's part of the reason Veronica was made to bring relevance to her character, or more relevance to her character, which it did. But then again, she really didn't become prevalent to the storyline until he started using her in this manner of activist role. By that, but by that point, we'd already pictured her as such a badass. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like they realized their mistakes with Claire as a character too late. But it's okay because she is relevant to the story because of exactly the points you guys made. She is the light to Chris's dark. She is the one who tries to do everything the legal way and the right way and go through the proper channels and get the government involved and she's for the people and all of these things. But I just wish Capcom would be more realistic about her character development. Yes. She can still be the light side versus Chris's dark side, but still not be so naive. And okay, maybe she's against guns. Cool. They have these things called pocket knives or uh, nunchucks or, uh, I mean, tomfas or, or tasers or, I mean, there's a several different weapons that are non-lethal uh, that you could carry. And I just, I feel like they're doing Claire dirty by keeping her to the point of violence isn't the answer, but then putting her in situations where violence is the only answer. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not asking you to give me a game where I have to argue politics the whole time as Claire. I'm just asking for you to give me some character development as Claire, maybe accepting that final fate of, I don't have a choice. I have to do something to protect myself and my loved ones. But exactly. She, yeah. 
She is necessary, though. Now that we talked about both characters, Chris and Claire, I want to say something. I think the whole cat and mouse chase between the two of them is completely unnecessary. I agree. Cell phones exist. Right. Like, okay, if you wanted to bring her in to say she's looking for her brother, Chris, the one time, great, that's fine. This continual, like, continuous, Claire is constantly looking for Chris, and Chris is just the biggest fucking asshole ever, and never says anything to his sister, and, like, no, she, she loves her brother, but yet Chris is just a fucking asshole. I like Chris. I just hate how he ignores his sister. That's literally it. Uh, but still, I think that was completely unnecessary. Did not need any of it. Yeah, that I will 100% agree. That whole character thing, not necessary. It very well easily could have been dealt with with two simple possible directions. Either A, Chris keeps with up with his sister through email or text or whatever, because you're telling me the BSA doesn't have mobile computers. You're friggin' lying. Or alternatively, you could just see that maybe Claire didn't like the direction Chris was going down. Chris and her got into a big fight, and now they just don't talk to each other anymore. Oh, wow. I fixed the whole storyline. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't know. Why is she always looking for him? I know. It was completely unnecessary. How do you not know where he is? <laughs> can put a tracker on each other. Put this tracker on your backpack. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, though. Yeah, I just, I don't agree with it. Okay, to begin with, she was looking for Chris. Okay, great. Not a big deal. Whatever, it's fine. But then continuing it on, why? Mm -hmm. It's unnecessary. Yeah. So, with all that being said, is there anything else you guys would like to add to this episode? I can't think of anything currently. Yeah, no. I think I pretty much got it all out. Well, in that case... Ariel, what's our next episode going to be? That should be episode 71. Oh my god. What's our next episode after this one going to be? Um, 70, because this is technically 69. Okay, so we're going to continue on. We have four more characters to do, and then we will be going on to Afterlife. But we're going to shove this all into one. It's going to be super long if we do, so we're going to break it up into two episodes. Mm -hmm. So just so you know who to look forward to hearing about in the next episode. Rebecca, Ethan, Ada, and Wesker. Stars? No, not Nemesis. Oh. It's oh. a B-O-W, not a character. So yeah, that's who we're going to be discussing in the next episode. Well, then in that case, thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. 
I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.